Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. So we're in the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're, we're, we're looking at Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42, that's the foundation of this sermon series, Devoted Church. Today we're talking about devoted to the fellowship. 2.42 says this, Acts 2.42, that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 2.42. That's the foundation. Last, or two weeks ago, we talked about Devoting themselves to the apostles, the leaders, the teachers, devoting themselves to their teaching, if, devoting yourself to the leaders of the church and their leadership, how important that is. Um, and it's important as a church that we look at this and take this to heart. This is not the way church was done back then and t- Nowadays are different, which there are some things we could say that, but this verse right here, that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Today we're talking about devoting themselves to the fellowship. And there's a lot in this today. We live in a day and time where people walk into a church building. It is. We walk into a church building for an hour a week, and we call ourselves members of a church. I want you to think about that. If, I'm, if I may say something you disagree, or if I offend you in any way, that's what the Bible does. I'm not going to apologize for it, because that's what the Bible does. Because I used to be like that. I lived in a day and time as a pastor, especially at Lifeway, where we had our married people event, is that we were always trying to find ways to please the people that came in. I think I told you all about the surveys we did. We would do surveys. People would take surveys, and you have to read all their complaints that they don't like about you. And when we had a lot of good stuff, there was just a few. And sometimes God has to do some pruning before you start growing. Man, is it bad for a pastor to... to, to, to Say it's okay for families to leave a church. If they need to leave, it's time to go. Maybe God's pulling them someplace. The disgruntled people that didn't have anything good to say. If that's, if that's you this morning, maybe God's pulling you to a different place. Because you're not doing any good by complaining week after week. Because if you're not bringing wealth, if you're not, not wealth, but if you're not a healthy relationship to this church, it's not going to grow. Maybe God's calling you someplace else. 
But we live in a day and time where we walk in and we check a box. I've been there, even as a pastor. There's a video I watched of a pastor. He's at home, and I, I, I wish I could find it. It's still up. It's a funny video. A pastor, pull, he's at home. Do we really have to go to church today? I don't want to go. All right? And you didn't know he was a pastor in the video. There was this man, and, and, I, and he goes, I really don't want to go to church today. Do we have to go? And the wife goes, yeah, we got to go. The kids has this, this, and this. <sighs> he goes, man, I just, all they do is complain there. I don't want to go. And he's like, man, he's walking out of his house already, head down, grabs his Bible, and he pulls up in the parking lot, and he pulls up into the parking spot where it says pastor. And he walks in very slow, and as he gets in, he puts his church face on, and then he lights up. Hey, how you doing? I'm glad you're here today. And the guy was at home like, man, I don't want to go to church today. It happens. It happens where, where even the apostles, the leaders of the church, and sometimes what drains leaders is when the sheep don't want to follow. In other words, you want to do it your way. Church was never designed for my way or your way, but God, if Jesus is the centerpiece, we follow Jesus. Remember the candlestick in Revelation that we talked about two weeks ago? In Revelation chapter 2, he says that, that I have this one thing against you, that you left your first love. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to repent, turn back to your first love, and do the deed you did at first. Remember that? Or else, the, it's not a warning, but it's, it's, it will happen. I will pull the candlestick right out of that church. That will happen. Day by day, verses 46. Let's, let's read Acts 2, 42 through 47. Dig in. It'll be up on the screen. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Is that the word that's up there? Yes. Awe. I love that word. It's just like a... I mean, you think about this morning. What were your expectations walking in this morning? Just leave that verse up there. What were your expectations this morning? Did you wake up with the expectations that you were going to meet Jesus this morning? Did you wake up with the expectations that you get to worship Jesus with your church family? And the awe that comes with that, that awe. That, that fear of what God can do in someone's life. I know what he did in my life. I was destined to go to hell. And he saved me. And I get to worship the creator. I get to. That's that all. That's why it says that. He goes... And it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through, through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. The fellowship is what we're talking about here. And they began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing them all as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with, an, in one, with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. You know what we get to do today? 
my wife, when we leave here, we, we had a church family that invited us over for, for, I don't know what you call it, an early dinner. Because, you know, we're going to get there. We're probably going to eat around four. How often do we do that? I think y'all do that, don't y'all? There's some families that get together and eat, right? Is that true? I hope y'all do. Are y'all alive? Are you awake? Oh, we're going to do some more music. If not, we're going to do the old stuff, huh? We're going to get them clap. Slow down there, big boy. <laughs> I'll bring the guitar to you. <laughs> Listen. I mean, this church, sometimes when we come in, this biblical all that we're talking about, that we get to be together, we get to eat together, we get to fellowship together. Day by day, in verse 46, continuing with one mind in the temple, in one mind, we serve the same God with one mind, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity in their heart, praising God and having a favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I pray that that describes in the next five to ten years this church here in East Bernard. That day by day, the Lord's adding. And why is the Lord adding? Because of what you did from Acts 2.42 down, what we just read. There wasn't no special outreach program this church did. There wasn't no special programs. They just loved each other. Let's dig in. Folks, we got to be devoted to unity. In today's culture, that's not normal. Today's culture is not. Very seldom do you see church people get together and eat some homemade fried chicken and, and chocolate pie. I want to keep saying that until I get some homemade fried chicken and chocolate pie. Huh? The first time I said that I was in high school, and the next time I went and I preached, I surrendered to ministry when I was in high school, guess what I got? Homemade chicken and chocolate pie. It was at a small church in Louise, Texas. What was that? Yeah. I mean, we, we were, I was in that little church and that little old lady knew how to fry chicken. Very, that's what I'm saying. There is, there, there's a group of people that, that we don't see as much in our churches anymore because that, that those folks in church knew how to be hospitable. They knew how to bring people over. And they didn't care if their house was a wreck. I care. My wife's looking at me like, here we go. Before we invite people over our house, I just got to be spotless. Like I'm like, I am not inviting people over here. And my wife's the type, I don't care what they see. We got kids. There's animals in the back. If they don't like it, they can leave. She's like, yeah, yeah you got a sister right there, Kim. Me, I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, hey, come on, let's go outside. I got to do this, got to do that. I got to trim the trees, got to cut the grass. I don't want anyone to come over this, this house. Seriously, anxiety builds. So anyway, I'm going to get in trouble later. It's not normal. Can you imagine disciples talking about the church like we do today? Can you imagine Peter, huh? 
Can you imagine John, Matthew? Hey, Peter. Hey, are your church, do y'all have a good music, music team? Our church, man, we sing the old stuff. Hey, hey, do y'all have a good children's ministry? Man, there's nothing here at our church. Can you imagine disciples talking like that in Jesus' time? It, does, it didn't happen. It, disciples didn't talk like that to each other. Whether they had a good music team, whether they sung the old songs or the new songs, whether children's ministry and all that, hey, whatever, no, what held them together was Jesus. No matter the cost, that was Jesus. Things might change in the next few years. And just because you don't like certain things about your church doesn't give you the right to, to get up and run. Because we're family, and family takes up for each other, and we're here for each other. And we love each other. And we should be here not because of any person, not because of any program, because of who Christ is and what he's doing within my church family. That's what holds us together. That is the glue, is Jesus Christ. Supernatural unity equals we become one. Look at John 17. 20 through 21. He says this, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. Second time he said that. I and them and you and me, and they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Listen to this prayer. Jesus is clearly stating, I want them to be so close. I want them to be one just like God. You and I are one. How close is that? I get chills right now just talking about it. That he's praying that, I pray that, that this church in East Bernard, that church in East Bernard becomes one. Just like you and I are one. What a beautiful prayer. My prayer is that that's what you desire. Is this unity, this supernatural unity. This was a beautiful prayer as Jesus was approaching the cross and he prayed that we became one, Jesus said, the purpose of our unity was so that the world may know that you sent me and love them. See, supernatural unity also equals salvations. There's something special about unity. I mean, we can have block parties, we can have swim parties, we can give away all kind of free stuff to the public. We can have all the fall festivals in the world. I haven't seen a fall festival, although they're fun, grow a church. And I've been in part of many of them. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying we got to stop relying on different programs to, to, to grow a church and start focusing on loving each other, on serving each other, on being the have a mind of unity in loving each other with unity in mind and showing up because then the world will see why the purpose of Jesus Christ and what his purpose was. 
That's what that verse was talking about. So the world may know. Church doesn't, church unity doesn't seem as if, as if it would result in people getting saved, but it actually did. We read about it in Acts chapter 2. It says that in verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Each and every day. If we're serious about winning the laws, we've got to be serious about pursuing unity. And guess what? Church unity isn't easy. It's not easy. Because we're all different. Think about all it takes to keep a family together. Think about all the forgiveness that it takes to keep a family together. Think about all the grace it takes to keep a family together. Think about all the work it takes, all the communication, all the talks that is required to keep the unity within the family. That's with our own families, our blood relatives. Think about it when we're coming from outside. But there's something different about the church that God put together. But we're human, and we're going to mess up. I'm going to offend you. How will you react when I offend you? You will offend someone. How will you react? I'm going to just give you a week's notice on this. Is that we're talking about unity within our church. We're talking about the Acts church. Acts 2.42. That they were devoted not only to the apostles teaching. But to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And next week I will preach on the breaking of bread. Which the Lord's Supper is included in on that. Next week we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. But from now until next Sunday. I'm giving you an opportunity to come with the right frame of mind and to clear up anything you may have with somebody within the fellowship here. That means if you have something against someone and someone has wronged you, you need to go to that person. Because next week, we get to take the Lord's Supper together. And we shouldn't be taking the Lord's Supper in a manner that's un- unworthy. We can't take, it should not take the Lord's Supper while we have disdain and hate in our heart or bitterness in our heart from, for, some, for someone else within the family. Take it with a clear conscience. And I'm just giving you a week's notice. Because that's what we're doing next week. And I want you to be able to do it wholeheartedly and not halfway. But if you want to keep the unity together, we have to learn to forgive. Jesus didn't expect his followers to be perfect, but he did demand that they be committed and devoted to each other. We're not perfect. You're not perfect. The disciples weren't perfect. We're going to read a scripture where later on in in, in the verse where the mom is asking Jesus if her two sons can be the greatest in the kingdom. And he puts her in their place. See, the disciples would fight who's going to be the greatest. They weren't worried about serving or being together. They were wondering, hey, we know who this Jesus is. Hey, Lord, can, can I sit on the right side of you in heaven? Can, can, I, can, can I be there with you? Folks, we've got to be devoting... We got to be devoted to loving one another. That's supernatural love. Now, see, our families, my family and my wife's family, 
they don't understand why we spend so much time with our church family. They don't understand why I would give up certain family activities because I've got to be at church with my family. It's not that I've got to be. It's because I want to be. It's because I want to be there on Sunday evening with my church tonight. We get to meet together. They don't understand that. There's nothing natural about our relationship with Christ. It's all supernatural. His birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection is all supernatural. And so is the body of Christ. And so is the church. This church is supernatural. I can't explain to you why things happen within the body of Christ, but the Holy Spirit's involved. And the same Holy Spirit that lives within me lives within you. He talks to me. He talks to you. And you wonder why we have, some of us have the same ideas because the Holy Spirit moves within the church and what we need to do. You ever get to that point? He's like, man, I was just thinking of that. I was just thinking of that family. Man, me too. How weird is that? It's not weird. It's supernatural. It happens when God's people come together. It's what happens when God's people come with the same mindset and the same focus and that we love each other. God cares how we take care of each other, folks. God cares how you take care of the person next to you. I had a brother tell me <laughs> we didn't like each other. It's okay. Sometimes I don't like my own kids, but I have to love them. I'll tell them, right now I don't like you very much. You don't have to like everyone, but you're called to love your church. You're called to love your church. And some of us got to lay down those opinions and how you feel about certain things. I remember getting in trouble when I moved someone's seat cushion in church. Have you walked in some of them churches? And I sat down in some ladies, and I'm sorry if you have a seat cushion. I don't think you need one in here, but anyway, I'm just going to say it. And I, I moved it, and that woman came out mad. i never seen her walk that fast. <laughs> mad. How, you, you're sitting in my spot. Some of you walked in here like, Freaked out because your seat was moved. I'm not talking about you. This, 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 this gentleman came in and had his whole family. We're bound and determined to sit in this one section. The kid's sitting on his lap. We're going to sit. This is our role. And I, I approached him. I said, man, I said, did they mess you up or something? I said, you're bound and determined to stay in that section. But I knew his kids were about to leave for children's church. But some of you are messed up, right? Don't lie. You saw your seat moved. You've been sitting there since this place started. Come on. Things happen. I love change. I love the look on people's face when they see change. I do. That's why I don't mind the looks that you give me. I love it. Hey, we're going to do this. Uh, okay. You see him on his phone texting everybody. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind change. At Lifeway, when I was there, we had chairs just like this. And any, any given Sunday, the chairs may be in a different... We had little markings on the floor, and they were red, green, and blue. And this Sunday is going to be red Sunday. And every chair was on a red mark. That's how that row started. 
People will come in and just like, hey, get used to it. There's going to be lots of changes. Would drive people nuts, but we let that bother us. How silly are those arguments that we have in church? Now listen, some of you are here because of those kind of arguments in other churches. Am I right? Some of you are here because of what other churches have done. Some of you are here because you're giving church a second, third, fourth, fifth chance in your life. Some of you are here because you're tired of the old traditional or, or the, the ways that just religion itself. And you're here because you just want the pure gospel. But you know what? It's like I told this gentleman, we're creatures of habit. And when we have something a certain way for so long and it messes up or it changes, it kind of what? It messes with us a little bit. Now, it didn't him. I'm just playing with this guy. But we are. My wife and I used an example yesterday as we, we role-played an argument that we had. All right? And we were going to do one argument, and I said, no, nah, let's not do this one. Let's do this other one, right? And then the first one that we didn't do was I was looking for my belt at home because I always take my belt off in the same spot. And someone moved it, <laughs> right? And someone moved it. Now I was, and so in the skit, I was like, have you seen my belt? She goes, uh, no, you're the one that took it off. Where'd you lay? Look, here's the wife over here. I'm already seeing it. And I'm like, she goes, that's, you know, I can see that already. I'm like, no, I need my belt. And then we go back and forth, back and forth. Because the belt was lost, now you're not doing this, and you're not doing this. And we get in this crazy cycle with the first section of love and respect. And it's called the crazy cycle. We get in this crazy cycle that we can't get out of. And because I'm not showing her love, she's not showing re me respect. And I'm not respecting her, so she's not showing me love. And we're arguing, and it all started over a little belt. How many times is that in our church world? That something small is a spark that goes off and you just can't shut up. You can't keep your mouth shut. You can't forgive somebody. And all it takes is, babe, where's my belt? I can't find my belt. She goes, instead of coming back at me, probably should have said, I don't know, but right now your tone's just a little loud. I'm going to help you find it, but can you just lower it down a little bit? Or I should have said, when she came back at me, I don't know, and she said, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk to you like that. In the same way, what if we are like that in our churches? What if we show love and respect to the people next to us? Now, this is different on a marriage level, way different. But because it's fresh from my mind, it's got to be the same, though. we got to show love and respect to the people if we want to continue to be united with each other. There's nothing natural about this. God cares how we take care of each other. John 13, 34 through 35. Here's what, here's what Jesus says here. John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also to love one you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Have you ever considered loving a Christian brother or sister sacrificially or selfishly as Christ? Jesus loved you. 
Have you considered loving someone else as Christ loved you? To make the sacrifice. Have you, like, do you come to church wanting to serve your family? Wanting to serve. I can't wait to get here and serve somebody. To throw away some trash. What can I do for you? 1 John 4, 7 through 12. I know it's a lot of scripture, but man, it's good stuff. We're digging in here. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Think about that. Let that set in your mind right now. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to, to be the propitiation, I can't say that word right all the time, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time if we love one another, God abides in us, and his, and his love is perfected in us. Did y'all get the promise? If we love one another, God abides in us. Did you see where it says that if we don't love, how do we know God if we don't love? Those are hard statements. Because if the Holy Spirit abides in me, I should be able to love you, no matter what, unconditionally. And my desire is to be united with you. Now in Acts 2.42 and those verses through 47, those people in Acts sold all their possessions and moved in with each other. And I've said this before, we can't do that nowadays. But what I can do is that everything that I have is yours if you need it. If you need a tractor, call me. I'll be there to help you build that fence. If you need a chainsaw to cut down some trees, let me know. I'll be there. When we have a family that's sick, get some food over there. Get some medicine over there. Everything that I have is yours. I know of people, I know of men in our church, I know of families in our church will take on a second or third job just so they could give more money to the church. Think about that. Just so they could give more money to the church. Just so the church can have the financial, the, 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 the stability that's needed. And you know, who, you know who prompted them? You know where that came from? From God. It's not because of anything they're doing. It's because they want to help the body. They want to help the fellowship. We have a, we have a food bank and we distribute food the first Sunday of every month. And there is a family that gives that paycheck to that. The extra work that, she, that she's making, she doesn't have to work. Her husband's a doctor. But everything that she is making goes to that ministry. And when she told me that, I was amazed that she spends all that extra time to help that, to do that. They will know you're a follower of Jesus. Oh, <laughs> we, just, we just voted this past week, right? They will know you're a follower of Jesus, not by how you vote, but how you love others. Greg Rochelle said that. He's an author. 
but how we vote. Some of us, we need to turn the news off. Turn it off. And let's meet with our church family. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. God's still in control. It doesn't matter who has the Senate. It doesn't matter who has the House. It doesn't matter. I know what I would want, but God's still in control. And if God sees fit that a certain number of people or certain persons in the White House, don't you think God can do that? God directs our steps. We have our own thinking, but he directs our steps. He doesn't call us to understand. He wants us to be devoted. He wants us to obey. And no matter who's in the White House, God's in the church house. Lives are going to change not because of who's in the White House. Lives are going to change because who's meeting here in the church house. That's the devotion that we need to have. And people parade who they voted for and they make rude comments on on Facebook and, and, and they just like to belittle people who vote for someone else. That is not Christianity. And it's found nowhere in Scripture. Jesus never did that. Jesus always spoke with love. If he disagreed, fine. But he spoke with love, always to win the heart of the person. You're not going to win the heart of a person by belittling them and calling them names. You're going to win the heart of a person by loving them unconditionally no matter who they are. Folks, and the last thing here, we got to be devoted to serving. The fellowship. Devoted to unity. Devoted to loving each other. we got to be devoted to serving each other. Battleship and cruise ship. How many of you have ever been on a cruise ship? Huh? Is it nice? Yeah, yeah. You get waited on? Oh, yeah. Nice. Comfortable, right? Is it comfortable? Oh, yeah, very comfortable. There are some folks who believe the church should be like a cruise ship. They would come in, and as long as the music's nice, as long as the chairs are comfortable, as long as the music is good, a cruise ship mentality. Consumers, give me, give me, give me. But see, what God is wanting us, his people, the church people, He wants us to have a battleship mentality. Everybody on a battleship works. Everybody puts in. Everybody puts in. When being devoted to the leaders, I want you to think of this. And I said this to a group of people two weeks ago. Just like a battleship is devoted to that commander, that leader of of that battleship, within our church, I want you to think of your leaders. God's going to call a pastor here, whoever it may be. I don't know. Let's just put it out there. One day there's going to be a pastor standing here. One day there's going to be someone that God's calling. Right now, Pastor Ron is filling this. And let me tell you this. Ron, whoever else is filling this, They're not here to coddle you. I want you to think personal trainer. How many of you have ever had a personal trainer? Been through physical therapy. Yeah? 
Was it hard? Did they push you to do things you didn't want to do? Did, they, did you come in and just cry and they gave you a shoulder to cry on? No. They, they, it was a physical, a physical trainer pushes you. Not a massage therapist. That's not what a pastor is. That's not what your leaders are. God did not call church leaders to lead and coddle you. He, he called church leaders to equip you. Where do I find this? We just studied it in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. On the battleship, everyone serves. So if you think sitting back and letting the church staff or leaders just serve you, and that's going to bring you the most fulfillment, just coming in and getting a quick Jesus fix, that's wrong. God's called us to serve. God called us to serve. Let me just ask you real quick, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read through. I'm going to, I'll read this other verse next week. What would your reaction be if Jesus were to walk in this room right now and he comes in front of you, kneels down and starts to remove your shoes to wash your feet? What would your reaction be? What would your reaction be? Let's talk. Shocked? Love? Someone else? You're going to be crying. You're going to be speechless. Not worthy. Scared. Wow. That's what he did with his disciples. First thing I'm worried about is I don't want no one to see my feet. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But I'm like, not me. You're not going to wash my feet. I want you to sit here and let me wash your feet. But that's not who Jesus was. And that's not who he is. He taught us to serve. And he kneeled down and washed the dirtiest, stinkiest feet. They didn't have cars. They didn't have cushioned soles in their shoes. And he washed their feet. You imagine a tear shed? You imagine how Jesus taught us to serve one another, to get dirty for one another, to make yourself lower than the person next to you. What if we came to church and tried to outserve each other? It would be weird. I've been on retreat and people will take my plate. I'm like, no, I'll get it, I'll get it. I mean, for some of us, we can't stand for people to love on us. Let them serve you. Let us serve you. Let us love on you. That is service. What expectations do you have, church? You see, we talked a lot about a cruise ship. We talked a lot about a battleship and all that. We talked a lot about a lot of things this morning. But to the fellowship, if we're going to devote ourselves to fellowship, 
We've got to devote to unity. We've got to devote to loving each other. And we've got to devote to serving each other. And guess what happens? East Bernard's going to be like, that church over there is crazy. They won't leave me alone. They keep asking if they could cut my yard. Think about that. That's fine. Let people believe this is the crazy church. It ain't normal. I'll tell you, we got to start obeying God. You got to start loving each other. I don't know where you're at in your walk, but God knows your heart. I want you to think about, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Don't look around. I want this to be between you and God. What unforgiveness do you have in your heart? Maybe someone in this room. What bitterness do you hold on to? What hurt do you hold on to that holds you back? What shame do you hold on to that holds you back? Lord, I pray for this church and I pray for this group right now. And Lord, we're about to go in a time of invitation. God, I pray that they can lay some stuff down. Lord, I pray you can grow us, Lord, and, and bring us together in unity, bring us together in love, bring us together in service. But Lord, there are things that hold us back. There's unforgiveness and shame. There's doubt. There's fear, Lord. But you've equipped us, but we're so scared to step out. Lord, help us, Lord, to do what Peter did and just step out of that boat. Well, Lord, I pray that if there's someone here right now that has is just fear bottled up inside of them, anxiety, whatever it is, Lord, unforgiveness, Lord, bitterness, I pray right now, God, that you would deal with them and, Lord, they will lay that down and give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. We're all going to stand and we're going to sing. Let's all stand. If you need to pray, I'll be up here for you. What are, what are some things you need to give to God? You can stand right there and pray to Him. What has God told you in your heart that you need to give? Give up. That's the same. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.